interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. And we're so happy to be here again. Another week, another show, another fantastic horror show on my bloody podcast. Last week, you saw us do a legendary film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's crazy. It's I can't believe we had never done it. Over 100 episodes we've done, maybe over 120, and we had not done the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But we finally did it. We're so happy. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger. And I'm joined by the host with the most, the, the man who I like to go to Swedish boarding school with and talk to insects. You know, that's Preston Barta, my friends. My little snuggle bug. Oh, we're snuggle bugs and cuddle bugs over here for this podcast on my bloody podcast. Yes, it's March 3rd. We're in March and it's springtime in Dallas, Texas, which means... It's stormy weather outside, and but today it's beautiful. It's a little cold, and Preston, March 3rd, today, that marks for us. What are we seeing today together, hand in hand? Scream 6. Scream 6. Oh, my God. As you can tell, if you've listened to this show at all, you know we love the Scream franchise. We get to see Scream 6 together because Scream 5 we did not get to um, see together, uh, but this one we will. And I imagine at some point in time, very soon, it'll be another episode. But before that, before that, we are going to enjoy a great March 3rd episode of My Bloody Podcast with the movie Phenomena, Phenomena, Phenomenon. I don't know. Phenomena. Phenomena. We're so dumb. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Phenomena. You know, this movie, you've probably heard of it. You've probably seen it. It's from 1985. It was released in 1985, January of 1985 in Italy. And it's by the one, the only, the legend himself, Dario Argento. And it stars a very young, very beautiful Jennifer Connelly, you know, most recently seen in the biggest movie ever, Top Gun Maverick, as well as the horror maestro actor himself, Donald (laughs) Donald Pleasance from the Halloween franchise. And uh, yeah, this movie was released in Italy and then got an international release and then a U.S. release. You might know Phenomena from its maybe American title, Creepers. And to give like a little rundown of like a logline for the movie, you know, there's a serial killer or a killer on the loose in this Swedish boarding school area. People have died. Young girls have died. Jennifer Connelly comes to this boarding school from America 
and uh yeah she her, kind of her dad's a famous actor yes yes uh so that's why she's there and so she kind of crosses paths with this killer because she is basically dr doolittle with <laughs> insects and um the one of the professors or teachers at this school donald pleasance by the way uh, he's in a wheelchair and he has a nurse that takes care of him. And this nurse is a chimpanzee who can do anything. So basically like Congo, um, where this movie's fucking insane and we're going to get into it. Uh, Preston, did I do a good job with that? <laughs> yeah, the, the movie's absolute craziness and you presented it as such. <laughs> it's so crazy. This freaking movie and we we love it um so it's interesting we got to first talk about there's three cuts of this movie yeah and you know uh a while ago it was released on 4k and they put all three cuts with it and then in a week or so from the synapse films and mvd collection they're re-releasing it with all three cuts and so if you have three different cuts of movies usually there's like you know a two to five minute difference between each cut this one the original cut is almost two hours the american cut they cut it over 30 minutes which is insane like it's like a quick like 80 Five, 80 83 yeah 83 minutes so you're just like wait what am i missing in this movie <laughs> and i mean are you missing much the the real answer is no but you are missing some fun stuff though <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's some more it's nice that this movie also take it takes time to stew on things and so you're missing out on there's a great video essay on this particular release and i think on the arrow release because it was pr uh, produced by arrow or adopted by them i guess somebody put together a essay that shows you all three cuts kind of side by side or important scenes or the the biggest scenes where you can tell the biggest differences and uh, so that that kind of tells you but you you miss like a few frames in between the italian original italian cut and then the international cut, the international cuts, the one that I flock to the most uh, that I think is the best one um, because I don't really want to watch it with dubbing or Italian. Yeah. The Italian dubbing with subtitles because you miss out on a lot of the nuances with Donald Pleasance and Jennifer Connelly's performances. But yeah, that 83 minute cut is pretty crazy by comparison, just because it does feel pretty quick, but overall you're still kind of getting the basic stuff. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would say the international cuts, the one to go with. Yeah, that's what I did. Cause I, you know, I put in the, the American cut, like the 83 minute version. And I yeah. watched like the first 15 minutes of it. And I just like, and then I went to the international cut and I was like, okay, I like this a little better because it just, it flows a little better, you know, even with some of the, like the kills, you know, it goes on a little longer and you're just like, okay, yes, this is what we're going for. So yeah, I ended up watching the whole international cut and uh, again, and I must say, before we get into it, the new 4K and the I don't imagine the, the last 4K release, the movie looks amazing. Like, yes. And if you're a, if you know anything about Dario Argento, 
He is known for his colorful, emotional um, visuals. Moody. Yes, very much. Lots of bright neons and primaries all over the place. Well lit. Like, so let's talk about Dario Argento. You know, comparing to this film to his others, like, I think this is probably one of his more batshit movies just because it's just there's so much into it. Like, it doesn't have the overall serious tone of like Suspiria or uh, Deep, Red. Deep Red or anything else like that. Uh, there there are elements in those movies that feel similar, but Phenomena is an entirely different beast. It's almost as if like he saw Evil Dead 2 and was like, we got to add some crazy stuff in here. <laughs> Seems like he saw a lot of things. It was inspired by it, like Stephen King because of the tele, 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 telepathic. There yeah, telepathic. That, telepathic. I was, uh, was telepathicing you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, because it, it just it does feel like a hodgepodge of so many different types of horror movies. So you do feel the raminess. You feel this kind of. Well, I guess Dario Argento has always been really good at like the surrealist kind of feel where like things and behavior behaviors and the way things flow just don't seem very human like, especially we'll probably get into it with uh jennifer conley's sleepwalking sequences and the things that happen to her where it's like this mr magoo type of thing that happens and she like falls and the way that she falls feels like kind of dreamlike and um the fact that she doesn't seem to get hurt um feels otherworldly um so it does have this like david lynch surrealist kind of feel uh what else i don't know it just takes take don't look now obviously by the end of it um so yeah it, it does feel like a greatest hits collection uh collection like a compilation album or something it it does and but with dario argento at the helm he is fully aware of what he's doing and he like he plays it genuinely and seriously and i think with those those aspects of it with Donald Pleasance and with Jennifer Connelly and the other people, you know, I think that it works. It succeeds because the stuff we told you about, you know, Dr. Doolittle with bugs and the sleepwalking dreams and the chimpanzee nurse, it just seems like, wait, is this not like a naked gun type of movie? What's right. going on? But it, it works. And like, there are, horrific moments in this movie and great visuals of course you know in yeah. the perfect dario argento way so let's start out you know the movie starts out with a young girl you know it's she doesn't get on the bus and <laughs> to go to this boarding school and she sees a house and she's going into it and all of a sudden you there's somebody in there and this person who cannot be seen is trying to kill her with like chains choking her the girl tries to escape and she's stabbed with like an intense pair of scissors they're running that she's running through what looks like an aquarium but like it's outside and uh she's like some sort of like nature trail next to the river but it's like well bricked and everything so it seems like a place that would have a lot of people there but there's no nobody there 
Yeah, and, right. And, Nobody yeah. there. Yeah, she falls on glass, and then all of a sudden you see her body, and then her head fall off into the river, yeah. and then a, a a person dragging her body. And, you know, that's the, that's like, you know, the setup, like, oh my God, there's a crazy killer on the loose for, you know, girls or whatever. And then you cut to this boarding school, you cut to Jennifer Connelly arriving at this boarding school. And there's, you know, immediately something is, she, she's not a normal person. Like she seems normal, but she has like superpowers. And in this midst, you do meet Donald Pleasant's character. Who's in a wheelchair talking about his bugs. He's a, is it entomologist? Is my, is that right? Yeah. Uh, entomologist forensic. Yes. Yeah. yeah entomologist for forensic entomologist. And this is where so, you, so he's, he's like entomology is like applied to police forensics that's what he does so he studies bugs in the so i i know from an extra that was on the synapse release that was produced by arrow the making of dario gento said that he <clears throat> he was listening to the radio with his mom in the car and then they were doing this study or they were talking about this story that they found this killer by way of bugs um, because of the body decomposing. They know like what stage the larva is at and things like that. They, they just are able to study bugs and determine how, how long ago the body may, or how long ago the person may have died that, that is killed. So this movie leans into that. It, it certainly does. And so this is where you meet uh, Inga, who is a chimpanzee who comes running into the room with a giant scalpel and yeah. Donald Pleasance is like, where'd you find that? And the monkey, they have like a little comedic back and forth. And you realize that she's the, this chimpanzee is the nurse and they, they're also friends. And just like, what is happening? So he saw every which way, but loose and threw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Cause monkey shines wasn't out yet. Yeah. And so uh, what what we have here is a setup of like, okay, you have an entomologist and you have a young girl who can speak with bugs and insects. They're going to be friends. And so from here, it's like more people are dying. There's killings. And then you meet these other characters. And meanwhile, and I don't know if this is something Argento likes to do because it could have been easily kept out of the movie in my opinion, but it's a way to get his visuals in. But Jennifer Connelly has an issue with sleepwalking and having extremely vivid dreams, like insane dreams. And this happens mm -hmm. throughout the movie. So do you think this is, could have been left out or do you think this was a necessary part of the film? I don't know. It's a good question. I I find it interesting. I think it makes the movie more like, especially during the one of the, the the murder that she witnesses while she's sleepwalking. I think all this uh, I, I reference Mr. Magoo and things that were happening to her post uh, that murder, but I think it sets up that uh, she she knows something in this per in the person that's doing the killing is after her now um but yeah it does seem like a way for an avenue for argento to explore 
the crazy visuals and this nightmarish feel that he brings to all his films like that that was an a way in for him to explore that i don't think it necessarily takes away from the film or anything because i still find it very intriguing and compelling but um yeah if you look at it it didn't necessarily need it because there's already enough interest there for the fact that she can communicate with bugs and there's this interesting relationship that she has with donald pleasant's character and like there's a point where the movie kind of gets fun where it feels like the batman like <laughs> jim gordon is a fly um so it's it, it's it's fun and daring and ambitious that you know argento went to these places but i think he maybe it was a fear of not knowing what to how to deal with some of that goofiness because it it's not presented in a goofy way but like we've been saying we were setting up this uh this plot like on paper it seems like a really ridiculous movie but argento is so good at building mood and creating authentic feeling scenes within this dreamlike world that you totally buy into it so i don't know maybe it was he didn't feel like he could continue exploring that. Like how, how long could a thrilling feel sustain itself by being a movie that has a, a girl going around to find serial killers by way of a fly inside of a box. And whenever the fly starts freaking out in the box, like it can smell the decomposing bodies and that, that, so it just kind of has this like Pan's Labyrinth kind of feel with the fairies that the fairies will take her to where she needs to go. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I, my guess is just that he wanted to be able to still insert some of those visuals, like maybe he had some leftover from other movies or maybe he just by being in this narrative, uh, he was able to, think of some of these maybe he had nightmares himself and wanted to articulate them so i don't know but uh i think it still works and is cool but i, I didn't find it too distracting or anything it didn't take me out of it no it didn't take me out of it either it's just like did it further the plot i guess and maybe you know this movie came out a year after nightmare on elm street and yeah. maybe there's like a, a dream yeah. sequence because you were saying like how she falls how she runs there yeah. is you know kind of like that element of being in a dream state and you know doing things a little yeah. off kilter and i think conley got that perfectly and with with argento's um color palettes it's just it it enhanced it um and then you know of course with argento and his violence in the movies you know you can see something happening and all of a sudden it's like a quick violent ruthless yeah. cut of a stabbing and then you just you, and it just cuts you're just like whoa okay yeah. uh that happened you know straight in the mouth in this one <laughs> and in the hand at the beginning we were talking about the with the scissors the scissors going into that girl's hand right right and it's almost it's like almost visceral because you're you see it happening but then all of a sudden it's just it's just quick that's it's kind of like the argento style but i like the the dream sequences to me i do enjoy were they a little much maybe but i just think it gave us more time with Connolly and more time with her character to really flesh out what she's really doing because she is a young girl she's shipped off to boarding school because her parents are too busy and you know 
she does have a gift that she's really exploring. So I thought that was cool. Uh, Maybe it's to just very simply blur the lines of reality. And so you can find some of these more heightened moments feel more grounded, I guess, because it, it, it it's just flowing from one thing to the next while you're being like, is this part of the dream or is this real? Because it's not, uh, I guess it's somewhat apparent, especially during that first sleepwalking sequence, the moment where she snaps out of it uh-huh. and sh- she she knows what's, what's real. But it, it is kind of cool that like it sets up a whole interesting other movie where somebody witnesses a murder and they don't know how to, they don't remember anything because they were sleepwalking and she has to be able to get in touch with her dream side to find out who the killer is. So it's, it's a cool parallel plot that's going on or a side plot that's going on. So I don't know. I, I, I do still find it interesting. Like I said, no, yeah, I do too. So in the scheme of things, as we're talking about this movie, we have to talk about Argento in like the late 70s and late 80s, because in that time was he was at his peak because you have the Cato Nine Tales, you have Deep Red, Suspiria, you have Inferno, Tenabre. Uh, he was a heavy producer and writer on Demons and Demons 2. He did opera. And then he had Phenomena. One is not like the others, and that's yeah. this movie. Uh, wh- I mean, I know we kind of touched on it, but with all of these amazing movies, like with horror movie buffs and just film fans in general, Phenomena, what you said, like he maybe threw in all the stuff that he liked or the kitchen sink type of thing into this. Is that what you're you're thinking really happened here? Because it's just amazing because this is at the height of his career. And, you know, in between Inferno and Tenabre, Demons, Demons 2 and Opera, he did this movie. And I'm just curious. I mean, it's 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 so out of the norm, I feel like, for him. Yeah, I mean, it's his first movie where it features English-speaking actors. Um, so it, it it's kind of fun that it feels like in the same way that we enjoyed Bones and All, that was done by Lico Gondonino, and it was done in the states, and so it, it, there's there's, it's like his tackling of a lot of the new age horror stuff that's going on because he was he was really good at that seventies kind of type of surrealist horror films and like here like i didn't even think about nightmare on elm street until you mentioned that with the sleepwalk and i was like oh yeah there's another thing and then there's a part where it feels like friday the 13th um yeah, even outside of the, the the killer stalking talk stalking killer type of thing which is more halloween i guess um but it just feels like his take on a lot of that like he's been interested by the new age uh, horror filmmakers at that time that were like Wes Craven and John Carpenter. And he wanted to build it kind of dip his toe in that pool and take and, and, and it ends up feeling like this, this storm of all those styles of film. Cause you got like the, the killer perspective cam. Cause a lot of the camera work in here is really cool. It does have like these s- static established, establishing shots where like, 
like one of my favorite ones is where there's these poster tubes that are on a shelf and you see spider web and there's just a camera that's planted at the very top, just there still. Um, so it does have like these really cool wide shots where you can see a lot of things and a lot of the colors that you talked about at the very beginning. But also it has some really cool perspective camera work where it's shaky, it's moving. It almost has like this Danny Boyle kind of vibe, especially when that first Iron Maiden track kicks in. Um, so it's uh it, it's got a lot of different styles going on but it, it really works it does really work and that's what i really like about that um it's and it's talking about this with you you're just like wait we're, we're having like an epiphany here is like did did Dario Argento watch Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween? And he incorporated all those and even got Donald Pleasance from Halloween into his movie. Yeah, of course he <laughs> <And, you> did. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, cool. Uh, so, phenomena. Perfect. So, with the visuals, the vis we have to talk about practical effects here because it's Argento. Yeah. Um Lots of maggots, lots of skeletons, lots of sludge, you know, lots of, you know, very <laughs> pool. Yeah, whole pool, which we'll get into. And lots of uh, very enhanced blood like you see in his movies. Not like, yeah. you know, it's like an Evil Dead like 2 pink. type of blood. Yeah, Evil Dead 2 went, went pink and black and green and blue, you know. And I think that works really well with his style. But lots of bugs, lots of maggots. What do, what do you think? Do you think this is one of his grossest movies or do you think this is kind of a, a more tame movie, a tamer movie for him? No, it's pretty gross, especially by the the, the pool sequence, which is very poltergeist-like. Uh, but yeah, there's, yeah, there, there, I mean, when the final moments you see like somebody like kind of peeling off their skin. Um, so it does have like the, the demons kind of vibe. Uh, where it does lean into a lot of that gross stuff. But it's not, it doesn't, like you said, like it, a lot of it's just like flashes. Um, so you don't, it's not like he sits the camera there to really see see it all from all angles and just be completely grossed out. Like it's just enough to be like, oh man, that was really neat and kind of disgusting. Like you get to see the, the, the art behind it, um, but even outside of like the practical effects, like there's some cool staging stuff that he does for the camera work. Like he always does um, in his films, like uh, in the making of, you get to see Jennifer Conley, like on this forklift thing and it's got lights set up and like a fan blowing and you get to see the whole thing, Christopher Nolan style, if you saw like the behind the scenes for Inception where you see the whole room move, you get to see like all these like cool things and, and like how the sausage is made and what really goes into achieving a lot of those things. Uh, you, you get to see the, the hand that I referenced at the beginning where the girl gets stabbed in the hand by the scissors. Uh, they created like this Terminator style hand that can just move where at the end of it kind of, I don't know if any of y'all ever open uh had that skeleton toy where you can pull the fingers and then it causes the skeleton fingers to move right so, you can grab things with it if yeah, you're lazy yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so that's pretty much what they did with that and then they put some skin on it so it, it adds that extra little twinkle because it all it could have been was just a prosthetic hand that doesn't move and just gets stabbed but he wants to go that extra little mile for just that 
not even half a second, it seems, to see the hand still moved to be like, oh. Um, so he that that's just what he's good at. Um, he he worked with this really great um Tom Savini's like uh makeup artist who really did really like like you said with the blood, like there's a mo there's parts parts of it or aspects of the blood and the gore that are kind of silly and feel like this I don't know like a Tim Burton kind of way where you can you can see the seams and stuff you can like see like the matte paintings kind of thing even though you don't see any of that stuff in here but I'm just trying to paint a picture as to like you can see where the 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 parts that are more realistic and then you can see the parts that are kind of like artsy or cartoony like a skeleton or like a face being decomposed in the water uh right before you um but it doesn't look real it looks like it looks like uh an actual prosthetic that's kind of falling apart um so th there's just like a charm to it that you can not completely be grossed out and feel that it's real like you can kind of sit back a little bit and be like okay, I can breathe a little bit, but it's still disgusting. <laughs> it's true that there there is like a sort of magic with that or a sense of nostalgia with that, because that's definitely not the case today, even with low budget horror for the most part. Something about Argento, how he, like Preston said, how he frames it. It just, it works. It works. And that's why I love it. <laughs> yes. So very young Jennifer Conley. Mm-hmm. You know, we know her from Labyrinth. We know her from A Beautiful Mind. We know her from uh, the amazing drug movie that we uh, <laughs> love. Um, Requiem. <laughs> Requiem yeah. for a Dream. But this movie, I mean, this kind of like one of her first big things. What do you think about Jennifer Connelly here? Like, do you see A-list star status from her? I do. I think the camera loves her. I think she just has this sweetness about her and she's been in a bunch of these kind of thriller movies, thrilling movies. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can knock a lot of the leading performances from the eighties. Um, and they, they have like their moments where they feel like, Oh, that was, but that's just the horror genre then. Um, and there's some actors in here, especially one lady who her whole approach was to be as wooden as possible. Um, and it's just kind of humorous. Um, so it still has that ingredient to it, whether it's intentional or not, uh, likely not, but still fun. Uh, but Jennifer Conley's really good uh, in the part. She almost feels like she gives it the same sort of, like she's into it and is is as fully committed to it as like maybe a young Henry Thomas and like E.T. Like she doesn't have like the crying scene, crying scene, so to speak, to like fully go there. But you believe this kind of uh, dizzy, disorienting kind of feel that's going on in the movie. And she paints that really well through her performance and there's a moment where she has to vomit to uh, get a poison pill out of her. And you're like, Jesus Christ. And it seems like she really did it. Like she really right. made herself throw up. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, she's, she's definitely a, was a star at the time and uh, did go on 
and still is still has a great career going for herself. A lot of great because I mean, she was like 14 years old when this movie was made, you know, she, she was pretty young. Yeah. So she did a great job. And then of course you have Donald Pleasance, which always Donald Pleasance is one of the goats, really greatest of all time. He brings, yes. he just brings it. He just, he's just, he's kind of like a Clint Eastwood cool character in everything he does. You just like, like George him. C. Scott. Like there's right. just, <laughs> Like they they kind of turn in the same performance in every movie, but they're so good at selling intensity or philosophical rants. They're just good at delivering lines because they have that voice for it. He has that voice for, um, you know, like in Halloween, being able to talk about Michael and just do all this exposition work. And then even here, he's setting up the intrigue for the bugs of like, why why it's so interesting that uh, the line of work that he's in and you're like oh man i would love to know more about this like uh i could see my son because he's really into bugs right now uh like this is something that he would want to do because he's also kind of obsessed with death uh now with be really being into the predator and all kinds of other uh things that kill things and so um he, he, I can see him really enjoying this movie, so I can't wait to watch it with him one day. But yeah, he he's really Donald Pleasance is a really good actor, and it's just nice to see him in this kind of uh, uh, hanging back, but still kind of like sending Jennifer Conley on these assignments. Like he knows what needs to be done, but he can't do it. Um, and so she does it. And so it's it just that whole dynamic is really fascinating to me. And it is. And he plays it even straight with the chimp, with the monkey. Yeah. You know, like, because there's like a genuine connection there, I think, uh, which I thought was really good. I just I love those two. So in this movie coming out in 1985, do you think that maybe this was an inspiration or, you know, kind of a subtle thing in M night Shyamalan's mind where he was like, I need twist endings. You know, I need a big twist, like in something, you know, because there is a twist here, you know, you don't, you know, there is, you know, not like a stereotypical one, you know, and it's, it's who the killer is. Um, But do you think like this has a big twist ending that M night Shyamalan level would like, or do you think it's very easy to see? It's not it's not easy to see, but it's that's why I reference Don't Look Now. Like Don't Look Now has the the one of those endings where you're like, oh yeah. And and so it does kind of feel like it's lifting from that a little bit. It's not quite wholly original like a M. Night Shyamalan film would be, where you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming at all. And it enters the uh pop culture books and uh is something that we still talk about so this movie isn't i think it's like inspired a lot of the filmmakers so i could see i'm not sure i'm alone watching this and being like it, it's like continuing his his interest and in want to be able to make those kinds of endings but it's not a huge twist ending it's just kind of shocking the way that it happens, uh, what what goes down, and what you see when when you see this person turn around, um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a huge twist. It's just kind of 
shocking and fun, I guess, at this point, but maybe, maybe even more so back then if, if I were alive in 1985 and I was watching this for the first time and I didn't have all the movies that came after 1985 to kind of, um, develop my palette in things like that but uh yeah it's still it, it's effective it's effective it is effective uh i i do i do like what where they went with it uh with like the reveal of who it was because as you see prior to the reveal it's a vicious killer and then you're just like okay this makes sense but cool Cool. Yeah, I like where they went with it. Yeah, because um, then it, it's fun because right after that, you're thinking about all the other killings and you're like, oh, man, it just kind of brings a whole new meaning to them because of of what you see. And so now you, you want to go back and rewatch it and try to think about this particular person doing those killings. Right. So we got to talk about this monkey, this chimpanzee Inga, who... We haven't talked about really a whole lot here, but Chimp, the chimp Inga gets a lot of screen time here, like is a main character in the film and yeah. it's a lovable chimp, very lovable. Like it's, it's in the last shot of the movie um, as Jennifer Connelly and the monkey embrace, you know, it's just what, like what it, do you the monkey has an emotional arc. <laughs> it, does. it does have an emotional arc, which can you, how many movies do that? You know, like, yes, we, we talked about Congo and <laughs> <laughs> you have that. And then of course, King Kong. Uh, but yeah. here, you know, the, the monkey is a nurse. It's, it's, it's so lovable and it's throughout the entire movie and in helping everybody. I mean, I'm just, I'm curious because I don't remember a lot on the extras about talking about like the creative process and the creative thinking and origins of putting the monkey in the movie. Like, do you, do you. My, my guess is that it, it shows, it shows Donald Pleasant's character as somebody who just, she, he, he constantly brings up, Oh, that's what happened to Greta or Greta. You know, he talks about his assistant who died by the hand of this killer. And so it's, it, it, further illustrates that he is somebody who's just not touch in touch with humanity much and that's why he has this really deep connection with bugs and deep connection with animals and that's why he connects with her because she's kind of the same way uh with jennifer conley's character and so that that's my 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 thought that's what i came to my mind through through the monkey because you do see this emotional arc that's going on with the monkey especially at one moment in the film like you see the the, the animal in distress and then you get to see um the pain that the monkey is facing for not being there for the in the moment that he needed to be there uh, or couldn't get to uh, really difficult to kind of talk around this but um yeah and then in the end you know you get to really see it uh you know come through um but yeah really really interesting character so but yeah my guess would be probably like king kong or something like that like he was argento was really interested in the uh you know how animals can be more human than humans 
Right. Yeah. So perfect way to say that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about this amazing soundtrack, which Argento is synonymous with the band Goblin. Uh, but he also puts in uh, Motorhead and Iron Maiden in yes. here. And, you know, some of these, and, and you hear like the full songs play out basically. <laughs> and of course, why, Do why you wouldn't think, you? W- w- did those songs exist in the original italian version you know what that's a good question i'm not sure because i now i wonder it's like oh did he watch return of the living dead and just want to throw some some music in there um because the iron maiden one when that when the iron maiden song pops up um for the first time because it's used twice when when it pops up for the first time it's like you're like in a moment you're like oh shit um and because like the camera's like moving really fast the the danny boyle style that i was talking about but what's interesting is that it just keeps going like the song is communicating a energy and then the movie and the way that it's framed and everything and how the camera's moving is matching it but then there's a point where they separate and the (laughs) stuff what's going on the movie slows down like the girl's no longer running she's like slowly walking through a house and yet the song is still still going going. yeah (laughs) it is good because like return of the living dead when did that come out was it before it came in in 1985 but okay uh, i think it must have been summer 85 so must be something like that would have been great because he saw that and he was like party time and he's like wait we need this stuff in the movie which i feel like i mean mostly works i mean you can't go wrong with iron maiden or motorhead or even um andy sex gang but it it almost feels out of place but it so might be out of place that it feels in place like yeah like everything in this movie feels kind of like slightly out of place but Argento manages to make it work. It does, it does. But then you have Goblin, of course, the Goblin scores, famous Suspiria, famous Tenebrae, all of that. All of those Italian movies with Goblin, with those synth scores, it just... What is it about it? Like, you know what? Most people don't know Goblin. You know, I think most people who know Goblin are the big horror movie buffs. And when you hear Goblin, you're just like, yes, I'm going to that. But there's, I feel like, is there anybody that does not, would not like Goblin? Like, it's hard to just, you know. I don't know. Like, uh, I really like his scores because they feel like, especially in this one, there's this band that I really like called Tycho. And they have these very moody pieces where you can listen to, you can you know i make fun of like there's a lot of horror scores where it's like so effective in the movie but when you listen to it on its own you can't really get into it a whole a whole lot um but like this is one that i feel like i can listen to on its own and just it i i i don't have to immediately register the images from the movie with it i can put so many different things within that box and so uh, it's effective in the same way that like the Blade Runner score is where it it's just has this kind of 80s synth sound, but also kind of has this detective adventure, young, uh, innocent, wondrous kind of feel to it as well. So it's just 
pushing all these different buttons simultaneously. And I think that's what makes it uh, stand out as a score. So I think uh, people could rediscover it in time especially with this new synapse release coming out and i think i want to say this movie's on shutter um and it they're is still, they're, they're doing screenings of it uh i've seen in the past and so uh especially with jennifer conley being in the top movie of last year essentially outside of avatar um people people will be interested i i he- think Right, because even on this new 4K, it says starring Jennifer Connelly, Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> which is really yeah. funny. Uh, so with this, so we've seen not a complete resurgence, but you know, somebody did remake Suspiria, and yeah. there Luke are plans. Yeah, there there are plans to remake other ones. Do you think you know the modern crowd, the new crowd, the new generation is ready for phenomena this? original film do you think they would take to it or do you think they or do you think they should remake this or even like a distant sequel or just completely remake this like does this warrant something like Suspiria got because that got Tom York's score that got I mean that was really well done with big actors what do you think yeah I think if you have somebody like Luca Guadagnino because I I will say that I think Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria is superior to the original um Maybe it doesn't have Argento's color because Argento, as we mentioned, is the king of that um, because at the time is like, you know, 60s and 70s fashion and in and these really lush color palettes. And and so he's really good at that. But the you can tell that Luca with Suspiria put more focus into the visuals and what's communicated through the body language, um, which is apparent in Dario's film. But I think another filmmaker, if they were to remake this, they would need to be somebody who doesn't try to do all the same things that he did, that uh, Argento did, but find something that communicated the most. Like maybe it would be a stronger focus into the the bug aspect of it and then maybe they do gut the sleepwalking part of it i don't know um or maybe they really like the sleepwalking part of it and they focus on that um so there's so many different there's so many little facets to it that they could focus on and so i think that could make it effective uh keep using the word effective but um yeah i I think it can be done but i also think that people will discover this because of you know a tv show like stranger things it's causing so many people to be really into the retro age and fine artists like kate bush and uh people are doing like these really interesting videos on tiktok these deep dives into oh this was a reference in this movie and so it it, people are getting uh interested by what like what created all these stepping stones toward where we are with movies today, movies and TV shows today. Um, So I think we'll have a well-balanced pool of people who will always want to know what came before and what inspired what, but then we'll also have those filmmakers who will want to put new spins on things uh, because 
Yeah, I think there's a there's a movie that exists with this same story that could dive into all these different avenues of what this movie has and uh can be can be done and could be good. I agree. I agree. I think that would be cool uh to see something like that happen like it did with Suspiria. Uh yeah, phenomena. Is there anything you want else you want to bring up? Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, yeah, we need to talk about the pool sequence. Okay, yes, the pool sequence. Straight out of Compton, straight out of Poltergeist. Yes. Uh, it's wonderful. So basically, remember Poltergeist, um, uh, Mary Jo Beth Williams. Uh, she was running around and frantically she falls in this muddy-ass pool while it's raining towards the end of the movie and all of a sudden all the coffins, the skeletons come out and it's gross. It's she's getting it in her mouth. They're all over and he her. And you can't get out. That, like, yeah. That's, that's a nightmare. It's a, that's not a nightmare, a, a consistent nightmare or universal nightmare. I'd say that everybody kind of has, especially at that time. And you got to see it explored in so many different movies. Like even enemy mine has. Yep. <laughs> as, a, as a space where you're stuck and you can't get out and there's this little thing that you get the sarlacc pit um <laughs> so there's there's so many things but yeah i i can't imagine being in a pool where you're just having a heart attack and there's just human sludge everywhere with bones and body parts everywhere and you're trying to get out and you can't get out and you're just screaming your head off in the same way that the final girl in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. So, uh, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. So, yeah, that's a shocking moment. And uh, so my wife was reading, she, she was reading a book uh, while I was watching this because she's like, oh, uh, like she, she, she wasn't there for the beginning of it. So I was explaining to her what was going on. And then so as things were happening, she would turn up from the her book and look at what's going on and be like, oh my God, it's gross. But when you got to the pool sequence, she was like, I can't look at it. She like stuck a pillow in front of her face. Well, because this pool sequence, because they're, you know, it's at the end. It's kind of like the climax, the reveal and everything. And Jennifer Connelly falls in this pool and like, poltergeist it's muddy it's gross in this one it's decaying with maggots and bugs and like sludge and it looks like she's swimming in that bathtub that's in texas chainsaw massacre yeah correct it's so disgusting and she's getting it in her mouth she can't get out she's going under the water and the sludge the skeletons are not just skeletons but they have like muscle and blood and gross shit all over them what you know what's wonderful about that scene to me is that when Jennifer Connolly finally gets out, this pipe bursts of fresh, clean, cool yeah, water. Gets her all clean. Gets her all clean. Uh, and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh it's and like, it's like, simultaneously, it's having like this uh Stephen King Gerald's game type of thing going on where one of the cop police officers is chained to a wall and has to break his own thumbs to free himself from the shackles. Right, and, right. And, and choke out uh, the killer, the mother of the killer. Um, so, yeah, that, there, it's pretty layered. There's, there's, it's it's very layered. And that scene definitely Gerald's game style because you do yeah. see the blood, you see the grossness of his hand coming off. And you're just like, you know, because I thought of Gerald's game too. I mean, Gerald's game is done 
more realistically and viscerally <laughs> and more raw. Yeah, uh, it, ta- it takes more than a couple of seconds. It's not. It's not. What, what makes this fun and disgusting is the fact that it's showing that image, which is disgusting on one level, and then you get the pull sequence, so it's cutting in between those two shots, and you're just like, you're kind of like this Ace Ventura when he's going. Ah! Ah, with the spears, so. <laughs> with the spears in his legs, yeah. and like this cop in the background, he's always in the background, and it, it, it reminded me a little bit. Like my mind went to Pulp Fiction with the gimp in the background being chained yeah. to the wall, and yeah. he's like, "Okay, it's the cop. He's the good guy," but he just looks so ferocious and vicious. Yeah, he, he's getting in touch with his animal side. Yes, uh, yeah, that pull sequence is gnarly, and I love it. And you know, you like you, you always want to like with something like that, and you have Jennifer for commonly and you ever get a chance to talk with her you got to bring up that sequence you know you're just like yes jennifer the scene the pool sequence please talk with me like what was actually in there was it oatmeal what, what was it because <laughs> clearly the maggots are not in there because they do close-ups of maggots so they're definitely not in there yeah. but whatever's in there is disgusting yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't look like a fun ball pit that you would see at mcdonald's that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah that that seems great the pool scene oh my goodness we need to create our own pool scene we need to write our own pool scene for something (laughs) uh i remember i worked with this guy when i used to do reviews for a radio station in fort worth and he had this great idea for a short horror story about uh a, a killer going i guess he was kind of inspired by the texas killing fields and like burying pe- bodies in one one place and so they'd take it to this one pond and people would go out there to enjoy swims and you know dip their toes in the water and then just seeing a shot of dipping your toes in the water and just a few feet below you see bodies and things like that and so, gross stuff like coming off of their decomposing bodies and stuff yeah like, oh good god it's, yeah it's like cabin feverish um so yeah yeah um uh, yeah there's there, there's there's infinite possibilities with pool sequences in films, and <laughs> we we got some great ones, and this is definitely among them. This, 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 this it is. Uh, Phenomena is coming out next week on 4K again through Synapse Films MVD collection. Um, it's got uh, a couple discs. You get the Italian version, which is the integral cut the long cut and then you have the also the international version in the creepers versions which is like the 83 minute cut it is loaded with commentaries by historians it has feature length behind the scenes that were made with new interviews from a few years ago uh trailers a lot of good things with this this is a in the movie it never looked as good as it does now like the colors are enhanced with the 4k and the hdr and dolby vision like it just it looks amazing yeah, this is one. It's just amazing to me that these movies that maybe masses are not familiar with look better than some of the most popular films that are on 4K right now. Just like Synapse, Arrow, uh, Vinegar Syndrome, they're so good at 4K restorations. And I just immediately like because the movie starts right away as soon as you hit the play button. Um, and then you see that first image of this wide shot in the in the greens and the bus coming up and i was like good god like you can see a little bit of grain there but it's not 
it's not bad at all. Yeah, Nothing's it's organic. Getting, yeah, it's organic. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not getting lost. It and like the sequence with like the monkey when you see the monkey, the chimpanzee for the first time in Donald Pleasance, I was like, this movie looks like it came out last year. It's yeah, because you have like these like purples and blues, and you have like the like the grayish backgrounds and the monkey. Like it looks unbelievably good for a movie that's basically forty years old. Uh yeah, it's one. It's it's it looks great. Uh, it sounds yeah. good. I I do wish that one of these releases did come with the soundtrack. I mean, yeah. I have the soundtrack, but I wish that it would come like with a digital download because it is that great. I know that yeah. costs money and shit, but yeah, because it's it's very the soundtrack is it was something like this, and then most recently, so if you can purchase this film through mvdshop.com it was it's put out by synapse film i guess they're the the distributor here but mvd entertainment group is helping to sell it but mvd collect uh rewind collection has the last uh the last virgin right yep. i think yep. Yep. um and all that's on like the biggest selling points is the soundtrack itself. That's like everywhere. Even if you watch the trailer, it's like going through Blondie and then just saying like all these artists names. And this is also a film that's putting so much uh, on the soundtrack. It's like, it's on the back. It's got like almost its own paragraph talking about it. Um, so yeah, uh, it seems like it, it, it should have its own soundtrack in here, but uh, you know, still good. For so sure, for sure. Phenomena, good stuff. Jennifer Connelly, Donald Pleasance. That's our episode this week for my bloody podcast. We'll definitely be back next week. I'm Brian Kluger. Find me at highdefdigest.com. Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, Brian Kluger it. Um, and then Press and Barta. Find him, find all of his amazing reviews, find all of his great, great deep interviews on YouTube. Find him at Instagram at Blu-ray Dad, Twitter at Preston Barta, and then he's on the Denton Record Chronicle. He's also on FreshFiction.tv. Please check him out. He is unbelievable. And the best thing about today, this Friday, March 3rd, I get to see Preston in two hours together we're gonna hold hands and watch scream six and we're gonna look at each other and it's not gonna be like beauty and the beast when we go this is a piece of shit it's gonna be like holy shit this is awesome (laughs) yes it's not gonna be like how i was last night with watching speed racer good god we're gonna talk about we're gonna do speed (laughs) racer at some point because damn it i love that movie and preston did not like this movie and we've 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 got it this is like the reverse um uh, the reverse uh, Jurassic Park Cemetery, Park Pet Cemetery. Yes, yeah, so it's going to be the reverse of this. I'm going to convince Preston why he needs to like this movie. Uh, all right, cool. My Bloody Podcast, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, tell your family that we're doing some fun stuff uh, here on My Bloody Podcast. We love you. Thank you.